Ollie Gordon, OG2 for Heisman's really all we need to talk about, but Alan Bowman did more than enough to establish the keys to victory. And this spring and summer, we highlighted about six young dudes, including some transfers that were going to be worth the watch, regardless of where they fell on the depth chart. Beat me in the comment section before the segment starts. Who were they? You are Locked On Oklahoma State, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma State Cowboys, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, y'all, and hello, all. Welcome back to Locked On Oklahoma State, your daily stop for all things cowboy and cowgirl related. My name is Cody Stovall. I want to thank you kindly for stopping by. You can find us on every single podcasting platform, visually as well on YouTube. Find me personally at All Day O State on Twitter. Today, we're partially brought to you by Prize Picks. Ladies and gentlemen, do not miss out on your opportunity to get in the game with Prize Picks right now. They are the easiest and best way. To get involved, use our promo code prizepicks.com slash lockdown college for a first deposit match up to a hundred dollars. All right. So hopefully you jump down in the comment section and you have the opportunity to now to beat me. If you recall the guys that we were highlighting this summer quite often. The group. Now, let's first start off with Ladarius Webb. I legitimately thought that because of the depth that we had at corner was enabling him to transition to the safety position because he did play corner previously before he came to Oklahoma State. But obviously, we were super loaded at safety, so it does make some sense as to why he's not getting a lot of playing time. But someone right next to him that we've been talking about all summer was Cameron Epps. Cameron Epps has not only come on, but with the three picks, it bumps up into the top 10, top 12 range in the Big 12 interceptions. He also had the opportunity for another couple ones. But this is a dude that, all of the players were talking about this summer. As a matter of fact, a lot of the players that I talked to were talking about this dude during the bowl prep. Like he was going to be a safety that was going to be an integral part of the game plan moving forward, right? So that, that, was, that was one that uh, we got to feel good about. Deshaun Brown's another one. Deshaun Brown's played pretty daggone well. It's just nothing is jumping out and wowing us on the stat sheet per se. But he does do a lot of things that enable some of the linebackers to make their decisions. Um, you know, I really would be remiss if I didn't at least mention, we've been riding this Josiah Johnson train for quite some time now. So you can imagine my elation whenever we saw him pop open. Oh, I was hooting and hollering and screaming as soon as he made his break. He was a country mile wide open. So happy to see him get a little bit more involved, especially down on the other side of the 50, which has been uh, a little bit of a different proposition for him in the game planning. And then, obviously, we talked uh, quite a bit about Leon Johnson III and his not only potential, because we got to remember, when we were going through the spring before we put all the pads on, he was looking like the best dude, the absolute best dude. And then you put pads on, right? The speed of the game and, and the intensity of the hits do kind of increase a little bit. But then he went to work. He went to work in the weight room. The dude's benching 500. He's or he's, he's squatting 500, benching over 360. He's improved his vertical. He's improved his broad jump. His broad jump was like 12-1. So he took to the body by glass in preparation for the redshirt season. I'm still a little 
um, on the fence about where he goes from here, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. And then, and realistically speaking, we definitely talked about Justin Kirkland quite a bit, so you could throw him into the mix. He's been very instrumental, kind of similar to what Deshaun Brown's been able to do on the outside, opening up some of the lanes for, let's say, uh, the linebackers. And I do have to give a lot of credit here to our main man, Xavier Benson. We've talked about it a little bit before. He does things that don't necessarily, quote-unquote, pop on film. But, guys, without Xavier Benson, I highly doubt Nick Martin would be leading the conference in tackles. Even in this, this last game, and make sure you go check out O State Daily. That is not the fake account. That is a dude who does film breakdowns that every O State fan should be privy to. So make sure you go check him out. Um, but even if you look at some of that film, right, from this last game against Cincinnati, Xavier Benson takes on lead blocks over and over and over again, knowing good and daggone well it's going to basically take him out of the play. But it frees up Nick Martin. Now, Nick Martin's one of those young guns that, that we definitely talked about. Nobody saw this season coming. There's just no way. Athletically, sure, you could see that as a freshman, he had a crap ton of ability. What would it transition to his sophomore year? Well, now we're seeing that. But again, this is one of those things. Kind of like Ollie Gordon. Ollie Gordon should be in the Heisman race 100%. Ollie Gordon is the best back in the Big 12. Very reminiscent, reminiscent of B. John Robinson for me as far as a comp goes. But he wouldn't be where he's at without the blocking. And we talked on the live show yesterday with, with our buddy Logan. The second half adjustments, don't know who made them. Don't know if it was Gundy, Dunn, Retay. Again, don't care. Whoever is making some of these offensive adjustments, they need to raise. And if it is done, sure, so be it. Not sure what it took for Dunn to finally have an understanding of, of how to get numerical advantages, but it is what it is. The second half, when we brought in that diamond formation and we were using pulling tackles and we had lead fullbacks and lead tight ends, it was a thing of beauty, right? We're going to talk about the, the recap of the keys to the victory in, in segment three, but I just wanted to emphasize that we pegged Deshaun Brown, Cam Epps, and Leon Johnson as NFL-caliber dudes. The, the, the Leon Johnson thing, of, of course, right? I've been clamoring for him all year. So, of course, I'm more than excited, right? But I might be slightly selfish, all right? I would love for Leon to be able to keep his red shirt. And then I'd also love his six foot four, two hundred forty pound defensive end brother that's at Washington State right now to also come be a cowboy next year and watch the the brothers play together. Now, again, that's the selfish side of me. I'll shut up. We are supposed to have Kale Cabby back, right? Kale Cabinus was somebody that we knew was going to be pretty pretty focal as far as the backup roles were concerned this season. So that'll be good. Blaine Green's prognosis looks pretty good. Jaden Bray, Talon Shetron, maybe a little bit of a different story. And, of course, the fan base is going to want to see Leon Johnson go all out for the rest of the season because we now know what he can do. Again, selfishly, I would hope that Blaine Green and Kill Cabinets can fill that void so we can get Leon and his brother maybe uh, rocking and rolling again next season. But as we talked about uh, yesterday in the live show, if we do – win Bedlam, potentially win out, and go to Arlington, even if we don't win it. I know I won't be super excited, but 
after the derailment of last season and the beginning of the de derailment in the locker room this season, the fact that we've got it all back together, and there is a large part of that that is due to Gundy, and I'm very well aware of that. Weiberg deserves his, his shout-outs as well. But if we do make it all the way to Arlington, then, then to me, it does make some sense that we burn Leon's red shirt. But if we burn Leon's red shirt and he only gets to play five games, like meaningful, that's the problem. He's already played four. The first few games, all he was used as was eye candy and a blocker. Now, you can see on film throughout the progression of the season, his blocking has gotten considerably better. Same with Josiah Johnson. Josiah Johnson's blocking has gotten remarkably, remarkably better than from the beginning of the year. So you're seeing improvement from coaches like Coach McIndoo and Coach Dickey that historically have not had a lot of um, trending upward production. But here we are. Gundy's buy-in has become solidified, I would say, all the way around the locker room. The, the, the final encirclement of the solidification for me would be the Bedlam W. But we got all week to have fun with that. I really... I'm really looking forward to Bedlam, right? We have some hope. We have some life here. But did Alan Bowman already play his best game as a Cowboy? I mean, obviously, I hope not. But if you go back and look at KU game, it was, uh, it was pretty daggone good. But before we get to that, real quick, I got to tell you another thing in life that is pretty good is not having hangovers. Athletic Brewing Company is the ticket here for you. If you like the taste of beer, but you don't want all the crazy non-fun stuff that comes with it, you have to go check out Athletic Brewing. It's the game changer that you didn't know you needed. Athletic Brewing has completely revolutionized the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. Their brews are great tasting and award-winning. This is why they beat out full-strength beers in global competitions all the time. They brew over 50 styles of craft and non-alcoholic beer, including IPAs, Golden Sours, and more. They are the fit for all time, so you can drink them anytime, anywhere, anyway, in any activity, and make it more enjoyable. Watch the big game. Watch your kids' game. Watch the tackling work or be the guy that makes the tackling work with, ta-da, no hangovers ever. You can find Athletic in-store, online, and at bars all across the country. So, get yourself hooked up. Go to athleticbrewingcompany.com, athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers right now can use my code LOCKEDON to get 15% off your first online order. Again, that is L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, LOCKEDON, to get 15% off at checkout, athleticbrewing.com, or a store near you. This is near beer and fit for all times. Exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company. I'll tell you uh, another fun part about not having hangovers is the obstacles you have when you have a vehicle and you've also been drinking, probably not a good idea. But if you need something done on your rig and you ain't been drinking or You've been drinking athleticbrewing.com's best brews. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has you rocking and rolling. With the eBay guaranteed fit, the part is guaranteed to fit every time. Or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you need to be burning rubber, not cash dollars. 
With all the parts you need and all the prices you want, it is easy to turn your rig into the MVP and bring home the W. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items apply, exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit is only available to U.S. customers. They've got the passion, the drive, and the patience to bring home the W for you in your vehicles. Make sure you go check out eBay Motors today. All right. Alan crawled Daddy Bowman. The KU game was not only a breath of fresh air, but it was a good sign of things moving forward because for the first time since his time at Texas Tech, he was actually moving up into the pocket. And you obviously saw a considerable amount of success. KU's a talented ball club, as we just found out with him taking down the Boomer Gunners for us. But Alan Bowman didn't look very good in this this awful weather game. Yeah, he, he dropped some dimes. He also got bailed out by Leon and BP with a couple of catches that could have easily been picks, right, if the ball was located in, in a little bit of a different area or half a step at too, too late. And that was my frustration. It wasn't necessarily where the balls would go, like when he'd throw it into the dirt and he'd miss players and he'd overthrow by a few yards. To me, it was the timing that was a problem, right? I think people are naturally going to say, well, duh, Cody, it was a terrible weather game, right? When, the, when it gets super cold, the ball does inflate. It feels like rock, probably why they call it catching the rock. It really legitimately does feel that way. Catching a slant in super cold weather is not fun. Right. And, and that you do see people try to cheat a little bit and use their shoulders instead of their hands a little bit more. But Alan Bowman missed a lot. And a lot of his misses were not even not even close. He also dropped quite a few dimes. Right. So you got to take the good with the bad. I 100 percent get that. Stopping Ollie Gordon is almost an impossible task. Right. So, OU, they know exactly what's staring them in the face. What I don't think OU is prepared for is this offensive line, but that's a that's a whole story for a whole segment in and of itself. But you tell me, guys, is the amount of misses that Bowman had in this last game more so the length of the misses, right? He would throw it like six yards over somebody's head, or he'd throw it way into the dirt where nobody had a chance to catch it. Is that a concern, or are you going to chalk it up to the weather, right? Because again, I don't think it's about the necessarily the misplacement. It was the timing. And I was, you know, sitting in the stands. I had wonderful seats. Thank you. Thank you, uh, David Shaw. And obviously, you could see, you could see the development of wide receivers. Right? Being in at the stadium in the game is light years different than watching it on TV because you actually see everything develop. And you could see wide receivers breaking open. And Bowman would wait another three seconds before he tried to get him the ball. And then and then you had two defensive guys converging. So it was the timing that was an issue for me, not the placement. I mean, the placement wasn't great, but the timing. The timing was not great for Bowman. He was a half step behind his receivers quite a bit. And I don't know if it was just, you know, him taking a little bit longer to go through the progressions or what. But let's face it, guys, he did hang our receivers out to dry a decent amount. and. We don't need an overabundance of injuries at that position right now. We're kind of at a, a crucial point. So part of being a quarterback is throwing away from the defender. So sometimes when a quarterback does throw it super low, 
it may look like a bad pass, but it's not because he's trying to lead him away from the converging safety on the other side of the field. That wasn't what these were, right? Let's just call a spade a spade. These were just flat-out misses. And every time you see Brendan Presley or Leon Johnson go vertical and darn near double coverage to try to catch the ball, it's a cringeworthy moment. Every single time it happens. That's how we lost dribbling. I mean, honestly, that's how we lost Blaine Green. Talon Shetron was Shetron was a little bit of a different scenario, but part of being a good quarterback is to keep your receivers and running backs out of those massive collisions. I mean, you can absolutely do that. So with his propensity to throw the ball away, I am still a little concerned with his inability to throw away from the, the coverage guys converging on the wide receivers. I mean, as a wide receiver, one of your favorite catches of all time, 100% guaranteed is on the sideline. Great vertical one hand, right? That's the grab that you look for almost every single game. But that's the grab that leaves you wide open. Your rib cage has a massive bullseye on it. And let's face it, guys, whenever you got linebackers and defensive ends coming at you, if they land on you, they don't feel great. Most wide receivers play wide receiver because we got good hands and we weren't the biggest fans of tackling. Not all of us, all right? But yeah, we like the fancy, you know, go up and get it style of catches, but those are also the catches that you get dinged up on, right? Those are the opening of the rib cage is like numero uno, not fun for a wide receiver. But at the same time, that's also the highlight reel stuff that can show off your versatility and your ability. So as much as we love the fun, crazy stuff, we also don't mind some balls that are thrown a little wonky, but purposely away from the converging guys. So I have some cause for concern still yet. KU was a little bit of a shootout with their backup quarterback. Uh, where we're going to talk later in the week about Nardo because he's absolutely killing it, right? We can talk about Nick Martin and Ollie Gordon being two of the best players, if not the best players at their perspective positions in the Big 12. I don't know what the prognosis is on Danny Stutzman, but Danny Stutzman and Nick Martin are like the guys, yeah? Ollie Gordon is the guy in the Big 12, no questions asked. Uh, Brooks is, is pretty talented over at Texas, but he's not Ollie Gordon. Ollie Gordon has the most yards, the most yards per carry, which is 7.7. Uh, most yards, most yards per carry. There's another another statistical category as well that Ollie is is far and away number one in the Big 12 in. Oh, uh, number of carries. Uh, maybe I said that. Anyways, doesn't matter. You let me know down in the comment section. Are you concerned about this game from Bowman on the amount of misses that were predicated upon timing as opposed to purposeful? throwing into windows, or do you chalk it up to the weather, and because of what he did against KU, makes you feel pretty good about Bedlam? Let me know in the comment section. I'm still still iffy, still iffy on this one right here, y'all. But I'll tell you one thing that uh, I guarantee you I'm not, not iffy on is prize picks. Y'all, you know we love the, uh, the hammering of the Ovas, okay? We do. We absolutely do. And Price Picks gives you a little bit of a funner platform to do that from because you're not just doing it against the statistics or the sharks or the, you know, the craziness. You pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections, and then you just watch the dollar, dollar bills roll in. We understand, right? We understand that in this, this 
realm right now of talking about Ollie Gordon, you're going to take him on the over more often than not, right? Because he's averaging 100 and almost 96 yards a game. A lot of people might want to take the under, but you'd be a sucker. Take the over. If you want to take the under on Chuba Hubbard, that makes sense, right? He's got some split carries there. If you want to take the under on Tyree Kill, I would say that that's probably a bad bet, but you can do that. You know we're taking the over on Leon Johnson III all day, every day. So whenever we crack the top 25 or the NFL games that you're, you're watching, you can use the reboot policy that is the best in the game. Prize picks reboot policy when your player gets hurt in the first half of an NFL game or a top 25 college football matchup, if the dude doesn't come back in the second half, that player is automatically rebooted. Price Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with injury insurance. Make sure you get yourself rocking and rolling today by going to pricepicks.com slash locked on college. Make sure you use that code locked on college, all one word, for a first deposit match up to $100. This is highly encouraged and recommended. The best daily fantasy sports made super easy. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college. Get yourself hooked up today. All right, and we're just rolling right along here. So let's jump right off into the keys to the victory or the W that we did, in fact, get. If we uh, if we date back, right, <clears throat> the keys to the victory were obviously established to pass. I think, uh, I think we did that. Right. Thank you, Leon Johnson. Third. And again, Bowman did throw some pretty remarkable balls. Right. There was a, a ball he dropped in the bucket to Rashad Owens on a crossing route. That was a thing of beauty. But he also had Leon Johnson open on a double move right behind it. Right. That was another thing. Uh, Bowman did miss a decent amount of open receivers. Sometimes he didn't even look to the other side of the field, even though uh, there was a play I was talking to David Shaw about. We had Leon Johnson on the wide side of the field. And the corner came all the way into the box. And Leon Johnson is darn near wide open. And Bowman didn't even look that way. He made one read, let it go. It was a five and out or seven and out. And it was a missed miss target. But there's little things like that that are somewhat bothersome. But I will say that we didn't establish the physicality, right? That was the main, main thing. Establish the physicality from the jump street that you were going to sock them in the mouth over and over. And there's nothing they could do about it. We didn't accomplish that until Gundy's halftime speech coming out in the third quarter. Third quarter, we made some adjustments, went to the diamond formation, uh, had some different guys pulling, opened up some different holes for Ollie Gordon, and it was absolutely crazy to see what we were able to do with it. So did we establish the physicality? Yes. It just took a little bit longer than anybody would have liked. Matter of fact, the first half, you got to give shit credit where credit's due. Cincinnati's running game is pretty daggone good. That Corey Kiner guy is a bulldozer. Like, he was... He was busting some chops out there, but it wasn't enough because it's not Ollie Gordon, and it's not Elijah Collins. Elijah Collins, actually, we probably could have thrown into the Young Guns recap because Elijah Collins was the most consistent this offseason, 100%. Jaden Nixon had the most, you know, major home run balls, but Ollie was, you know, up and down. It's it, 100% factual and accurate. Elijah Collins was the most consistent. Jaden seemed to be like maybe the home run threat, and Ollie was the best, but up and down. So it was phenomenal to see Elijah get that tutty. I know that he was super, super stoked. Um, you know, living with Leon, I'm sure they had the greatest night of all together, right? That was amazing to see. 
Um, yeah, establish the passing game. I think we we did that. But it could have been better, of course. But you could potentially say that every single week. And then the other big one to me was third down defense. We were considerably better on third down defense, guys. I mean, it wasn't uh, pitching a perfect game by any stretch of the imagination, but it was significantly better, which is why later on in the week, a.k.a. most likely tomorrow, we're going to talk more about Brian Nardo, Nick Martin, and this defense that does give up some yards, right? I, again, I hate, 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 bend but don't break. I, I can't stand that saying. Uh, and I don't think we're quite that because when we aim to take something away, we typically do. Again, Cincinnati. Really good run game. But this is also the defensive line that OU fans and media guys were telling us is likely one of the best in the Big 12, if not the best in the Big 12. The Cincinnati Bearcat defensive line that was giving up barely 100 yards a game just got torched for 315. We can highlight the O-line there. Absolutely. So I think the keys to the victory that we set aside pregame, they pretty much all worked out so pretty happy camper in that department okay so now uh we'll, we'll jump off into some of the big 12 rankings here i will admit i went back and forth back and forth back and forth simply because if you look at the top half you got a five-way tie you got a five-way tie and you could make an argument for a decent amount of any of the top five really right for me I think that we got to start at the bottom. Sorry, Cincinnati. It is what it is. You didn't get or did. You're definitely still at the bottom of the heap here. So I've got Cincinnati and the old last place department. UCF. I definitely think they've got to be next. Guys, UCF, again, they just keep finding ways to, to shoot themselves in the foot. They've got some skills. They've got some talent. I'll tell you this. I don't think we should be super, super worried about Heading to the bounce house. I mean, you don't want to overlook anybody, but it is what it is. Followed at number 12. I've got to throw Baylor in here. It, it sucks that Dave Rand is in this position, but it is what it is. All right. And then we got to put Houston at 11. They just, the Texas hangover was very real. They got whooped 75,000 ways from Sunday in Manhattan. I, I think you, it'd be fair to throw Tech next. I contemplate in putting BYU at 10, but Taco Reckham Tech, sorry you're having the injury bugs that you are. Sorry you lost the momentum that you have. Uh, hopefully you regain some of it, but it ain't looking good. All right, number nine, BYU. BYU looked absolutely horrendously dreadful. And you know, we talk about the over-conservative over conservative nature sometimes of our main man, Mike Gundy, which has cost us a lot of games, including Bedlam's. Kalani Sitaki was kicking field goals like like they were the uh, the secret to success when they were down 14-0 against a very hyper-focused Texas squad. That thing got away from BYU super early, and that might have been one of the, the worst coach games by Kalani Sataki. All right, number eight, let's throw TCU. Not bad, not great. Number seven, West Virginia. Why? Just because of where they stack up compared to the, the five-man race for first place. Now let's get into basically what is the five-man race for first place. Number six, hmm, I'm still thinking, give me, give me KU at six still. I know, I know they probably shouldn't. Now nah, I can't do that. 
I'll take Iowa State at six. I do believe in Iowa State. They've been playing real football, um, but it is what it is. Give me KU at five, right? I think that that makes that makes some sense here. Okay, I'm cool with that. Give me Texas at four. You ready for this? Give me O State at three. I know, I know. I was hooting and hollering last week about how you can't put Kansas State above Oklahoma State because we already beat them. But K-State hasn't allowed a touchdown in the last 10 quarters. And they've got, you know, Avery Johnson when needed, but Will Howard's still a dude, the dude, and the dude that won the Big 12 title. So I reluctantly did bump K-State above us. So I got K-State at two, and I got the Boomer Gooners, even in a loss, at number one just because of where they stand. You know, you know, I really wanted to put OU1 and O State 2 for the Bedlam matchup, but it's fair to put K State at 2. After what they did, they completely demolished Houston. I know they had the Texas hangover, but a goose egg, Houston, really nothing, zero points. And again, K State has not allowed a tutty in the last 10 quarters of football. Don't care who you are, where you are, how you're playing, where you're playing. It's in- extremely impressive, and it deserves that, that number two spot. This is probably the funnest weekend, the biggest weekend of the Big 12. We got Bedlam for a lot of the marbles, and then you got K-State, Texas for the other half of the marbles. This is going to be a fun one. It's going to be a good one. I can't wait to get into this whole week of, of OU hate because OU sucks, and Bedlam's awesome, and it's the last one, and I'll be here, baby. All right, y'all. That's all we're going to have for this one right here. Thank you for tuning in to make this your first listen here on Locked on Oklahoma State. God bless. Go, folks. You could be anywhere. We're so happy you choose to be here. Go leave a like, comment, share on the Spotify, Apple podcast side. Go leave a review. All right, y'all. Come see me. I'm all over campus. Later, taters.